the German people, the National Socialist Party, had a particular identity that they aspired to as a German nation. And that identity had certain components to it. And if you didn't fit that component, you weren't part of that identity and you needed to be excluded. Right. And that's what this show was about. It was about trying to exclude toxic elements of culture from their idea of who they were as a nation. You're listening to The Sill Podcast, perspectives on art and technology with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 83, Time Trek, The Generacy Trumps Fascism. Kurt Schwitters spricht Teile seiner Sonate mit Urlauten. Germany in the early 30s when the Third Reich comes to power. Yeah, so the Weimar Republic has come to its end. The population of Germany has elected, I guess you could say, mm. uh, Adolf Hitler and the National Socialist Party. 1933. In 1933, correct. And almost immediately, he starts to, quote-unquote, cleanse the nation of cultural toxins, let's say. Mm -hmm. The beginnings of cracking down on literature that is anti-German or against the spirit of Germany in some form, Jewish literature, internationalist Bolshevik propaganda literature, and they have this giant book burning in 1933. Mm -hmm. And there are films of it. You can go online and see yep. this, right? But the thing is that the beginnings of this way of looking at culture, it goes back. It's not, it doesn't start there. There were commentators in the late 19th century. In fact, one of them was a Jewish commentator who invented the term mm -hmm. entartete or degenerate to describe art or mm -hmm. culture, degenerate culture. And so when Hitler comes to power, they basically take these ideas and they meld them into their anti-Semitic agenda. Right. And anything that is degenerate is essentially a kind of a product of the Jewish soul, which is a kind of a poison inside the heart of German culture. Mm -hmm. So he determines to cleanse the culture of this. So he appoints Goebbels. Minister of Propaganda. Minister of Propaganda. And Goebbels creates this kind of uh, cultural chamber, as it's called, the Reichsculture uh, Chamber. Mm -hmm. And artists who kind of fit the mold of what art is supposed to be, in their eyes, have to join this association, if you like, and be in line with Nazi values and ideas and the whole way of looking at culture. Right. So there's like 100,000, 110,000 artists join this organization. And they're kind of approved. And then Goebbels decides to collect the degenerate art. Mm -hmm. Collected, like cleanse the country of it. Right. So he appoints this... Commission. Guy, this commission, yeah, to go out to all the museums and galleries in the country and confiscate degenerate art. Now, what did they mean by degenerate art? Art that was... Modernistic. Modernistic, internationalist art, Bolshevist art, Dada. Dada, anything Jewish, expressionist art, fauvist art, cubist art, symbolist art, impressionist art, anything that wasn't kind of traditional, classical Greek-Roman in mm -hmm. feel, if you like, was confiscated. 
And they decided to create an art show called the Antarctica Kunst, which was the degenerate art show. Mm-hmm. And it went up on July 19th, 1937. So this is the moment in our time trek that we're starting with. Mm-hmm. Only a year after the Olympics. Yeah, that's where right. Where the Third Reich was humiliated by in Je- some ways by Jesse, Jesse Owens, Owens and the poor right. gold medals. Yeah. That's right. So now it's 1937, July 19th. It's on the second floor of this building that was an architect institute of some kind. Mm-hmm. And they gathered together 650 approximately artworks, paintings, sculptures, prints, some books. And they mount this show in this very rough shod kind of way where the the paintings are hanging from cords some on the floor they're crammed together in these four or five rooms primarily there are three rooms that are actually somewhat planned yeah so themed rooms so one Mm -hmm. of them was a room of art that is grotesque and makes fun of religion Mm -hmm. traditional religion So strange, grotesque Jesus Christ's on the cross. And in fact, the first thing that people saw when they went into this show, they climbed up a set of stairs and they almost literally bumped into this grotesque sculpture of a Christ on the cross that they had to kind of maneuver around to get into the rest of the show. So the whole thing was designed to shock and repel people to show them how degenerate art had become in the modern world, that point in the modern world. Concurrent with that was the actual German art show Yeah, uh, that was not degenerate running at the same time, intentionally set up that way. That's right, in the same city of Munich, opened with great fanfare by Hitler himself, with parades and a great speech, etc., etc., and filled with art that glorified the German soldier, that glorified the German farmer and the German family, and all these traditional values. Right. The Aryan race at its best. Yeah. And uh, what was interesting was the degenerate art show, the Antarctica Kunst, drew in the course of its run mm-hmm. almost three million people. Now, the show went from July 19 to November 30th in Munich. Right. And it was just over two million, Harry. Yeah. But when you include the touring, because it went to right. uh, 11 other cities in right. Germany and Austria in total, about 3 million people That's correct. on the yeah. way to 3 million, mm-hmm. which actually is unheard of in the world of art exhibitions to have that many people see mm-hmm. a show, which outnumbered the traditional German show three to one. Yeah. Now, the people who went to the degenerate art show, I'm sure probably 95% of them had the reaction that they were supposed to have. As you imagine, this is before the internet. That's right. This is before television, actually. Mm -hmm. So what they're hearing on the radio is this horrible propaganda about this degenerate culture, this show. A complete put-down by the Third Reich, intentionally set against the show that they're running, which is to glorify them. Yeah. So imagine you walk into that, Mm -hmm. and you're met with these grotesque images all crammed together in this sort of ugly show. A lot of them were horrified and Mm -hmm. repelled. When, yeah, this is degenerate. This is horrible stuff. So on one level, it worked, I think. But on another level, there's films of this. It reverberates through history. and um, Just the sheer attendance. The sheer attendance tells you that mm-hmm. it was more, quote-unquote, popular, if you like, than the traditional art that was shown. 
Now, there were 112 or so artists in the show. Of which only six were Jewish. Only six were Jewish, and there was a separate room for Jewish That's right. subversive art, but only six artists among the 112. But you should give some of the names of these people. Well, so some of the artists in the overall show mm-hmm. that people will recognize would be people like Picasso, Paul Klee, uh, Vasily Kandinsky, Max Ernst, Vincent van Gogh, was in that show. Mondrian was in that show. All of these people, plus many, many German artists. In fact, mm-hmm. most of the art was German art. So Emil Nolde, they had more than a thousand of his pieces that they took from him. And many of those were in that show. And for people who aren't familiar with these names, these were the elite of the times. Yeah, and very well accepted in Germany up until that point. Many of the members of the Nazi party, Mm -hmm. card-carrying members, and here they're now being singled out for their work that is being degenerate. And there was a lot of discussion, and it wasn't always agreed upon which art was degenerate and which wasn't, Mm -hmm. because a lot of these Nazis higher up collected art and actually appreciated modern art and had to now dampen that down and eliminate that from their life. 1937, it's post-depression, the Third Reich is in power, the Hindenburg is going down in the U.S., war is about to break out, the Spanish Civil War is going on with Germany practicing their run for World War II, testing all their equipment, their fighter planes, and so on. And now you see this direct hit on the art community, but really, what it really demonstrates is their awareness of how much culture had to be a part of their program to shift in order to get people on their side. Well, sure. And, you know, as you say, they were about to go to war. Mm-hmm. And here are these artists like George Gross, for example, depicting the grotesqueries and the reality of war, of how the dismemberment of the human being physically and psychologically and the horror of that. And, you know, there's no way that a country going to war wants to have their population subjected to these kinds of images, which tells them war is not where we want to be, mm-hmm. exactly. So they had to kind of move that out of the picture. Mm-hmm. The third themed room, we should mention, was art that depicted grotesquely the life of farmers, workers, and women. So a lot of these women in the Weimar Republic, with the hyperinflation that happened in Germany after That's the war, right. a mm-hmm. lot of people were put on very hard times, and yes. women, many women went into prostitution. So these artists depicted women prostitutes. In what was actually happening. Yeah, yeah, which was a reflection of the times the in times, a way. Yeah. But they couldn't have that in National Socialist Germany. They said it was demeaning to women and all that stuff. Farmers, workers, all that. They so, were manipulating information, manipulating truth. Yeah, So you have these three themed rooms, and then you have just sort of random sculptures and prints. And and then along with the stuff on the walls, they included graffiti. Mm -hmm. They actually wrote graffiti. And the graffiti included statements like, madness becomes method. Yeah, I like that one. Right, and pointing to a painting. Nature as seen by sick minds. That's Mm -hmm. on the wall around these artworks. The ideal dash, cretin and whore or revelation of the Jewish racial soul. So they've got these slogans printed on the walls to kind of help people think the thoughts that they want them to think. Sure. Right? So that's fascinating to me. 
Well, what's even more fascinating about that is this is in an art gallery, a public forum. Yeah, and part of the reason they're doing that is because the idea of the word degeneracy was essentially funneled into the notion that these people and this art were the results of a mentally ill Mm -hmm. mind. That these people, these artists, couldn't handle the modern world as it was and were twisted out of shape, and this is the result of it. They're ill, in other words. Mm -hmm. When, in fact, all they were doing was really trying to show people what was really happening. Well, sure. Think about how fertile the ground was between the two world wars, Mm -hmm. in Germany especially. All of these movements rising up in the face of the horror of the First World War, like Mm -hmm. Dada, like surrealism. And it was fertile. It was a time of experimentation, uh, artistically, sexually, aesthetically. Musically. Musically, of course. And we should mention that there was a degenerate music show. Well, they even poo-pooed jazz. Yeah, and jazz was a main component of, mm-hmm. of degenerate music, black American jazz. Well, they specifically honed in on the black issue. Right, because all of this stuff was kind of conflated into their idea of the pure Aryan race mm-hmm. and what that culture should look like. And it shouldn't have Jewish influences, black influences, any degenerate influences like that. Uh, so they're really determined to do kind of a real cultural cleansing of the nation. Box, box. So what's your story? Nationalism does nothing but teach you how to hate people that you never met. And all of a sudden you take pride in accomplishments you had no part in whatsoever. And you brag about, you know, like the Americans you go, fuck the French. Fuck the French. If we hadn't saved their ass in two world wars, they'd be speaking German right now. You go, oh, was that us? That was us? Was, was that me and you, Tommy? We saved the French? <laughs> Jesus. I know I blacked out a little bit after that fourth shot of Jägermeister last night, but I don't, I don't remember. I know we went through to Wendy's drive-thru. We are going to get one of them fresh set of sandwiches. It looked so alluring on the commercial, but then we ordered it and realized we had no money and we had to ditch out before the second window. And those douchebags in line behind us with the bass music probably got our order and out. We laughed about that, but I don't remember saving the French. Oh, I, I went through the last 10 calls on my cell phone and there's nothing incoming or outgoing to the French looking for muscle on a project. I checked my pants, there's no mud stains on the knees from where we were garroting krauts in the trenches at Verdun. I think we didn't do anything but watch sports bloopers while we got hammered. I think we should shut the fuck up. Box, box. This thing between culture and government or the community at large, that dialogue has been going on for a long, long time. Mm. And that's the real underlying issue here as we talk about this. It's that issue of government control. Mm -hmm. The question is, where's the line? Is there a line beyond which art should not go and beyond which it is harmful to the human spirit or psyche? What comes to my mind is, with a lot of the government control of the arts, isn't whether or not there should be a line drawn, it's how many people are deciding to draw that line. 
you've got 20, even 20,000 government representatives, let's say, but you've got 25 million people. Yes, because we've elected them to make these kinds of decisions. Isn't that what a democracy is supposed to be? Right. So, and I'm glad that you said it, it goes back to what I believe in, in that you have to think about these things before government's in power, not after. You have to think about who you elect and why. Let's talk about the Scandinavian countries, for example. They have a very different approach to governing than, say, we do here. Right, right. In many ways, the government reflects the people that they're governing. Right. So was Hitler reflecting the people he was governing? Well, at the time, you have to look at the situation. Those people, in essence, gave him power because they thought in some way that he was going to be their savior. He was going to pull them out of depression. He was giving them work. He was building the Autobahn. He was doing mm-hmm. a lot of things yep. that people immediately responded to because it was a huge change from all the suffering and hardship that they had experienced. Well, there's another element to that. That's true. And the fact is that we know that as a young man, he was an aspiring artist mm-hmm. himself. And there are paintings and sketches that he created that are still around. Mm-hmm. And they're very plain and mundane, not very experimental. Right. And the fact that he was rejected from... More than once. uh, Yeah, from art school in Vienna. Mm -hmm. So in some respects, his connection to culture is deeper than a lot of elected officials would have been at the time. Mm -hmm. And so it's not that strange that he would think about culture more and think about how important culture is to the life of a nation. And in some respects, that's refreshing. Yes. I want more of that over here in North America and in mm-hmm. Europe. Now, he took it in a negative direction, but the idea of focusing on culture as a critical component sure. of the national spirit is a good thing. problem is who you're giving it to. Yep. Essentially, what you have is this angry young man who also serves in the First World War is completely put off. I mean, Mein Kampf, you've read the book, Harry. Yes, I have. He's not a stupid man. Oh, no. Far from it. No, no, no. He In that book, he lays out the entire agenda mm-hmm. and the whole plan, which he followed, basically, right to the end. Right. So it's important reading. I know people are averse to reading it often, but it is important to read it to understand what mm-hmm. he was about inwardly, and he wasn't simply a madman. There was something else going on there. Right. So what happens after the show is over? Well, you'd think that if it's degenerate art, they would simply destroy all the artworks. Mm -mm. That's not what happens. (laughs) No. What happened was they took about 125 of the best, considered most saleable work, and they handed it to art dealers and said, go to Switzerland and put it on auction. Go to Paris and put it on auction and get some money for it to support the war effort, to support the Reich. So that's what they did. Now... A lot of the other works in the show actually went back to some of the galleries Mm -hmm. or individuals if they were privately owned. The people that actually created the art. They actually respected that, strangely enough. It gave them back. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of them, probably about 5,000 pieces, ultimately, they burned. Mm -hmm. There was a big burning in Berlin at the fire department grounds there. So like the book burning, there was a major art burning. But they saved a lot of the artwork as well. And there's a very interesting side story here. One of the art dealers Mm -hmm. who was part of this whole scenario 
Earlier on, a few years prior, he had been forced to step down from his position as an art gallery director because he was into modern art and loved modern art. But he sort of moderated that and then became part of the inner circle of this art show and collecting art for it, etc. And after the art show, he was given a lot of art to sell, etc. But he ended up hoarding hundreds of pieces of art. That's right. And his name was Wolfgang Gerlitt. He lived in Dresden, and he evacuated those works of art to the countryside before the, the bombing of Dres- the firebombing of yeah. Dresden that destroyed the city completely. Mm-hmm. Subsequently, bequeathing these works to his son Hildebrand Gerlitt, who then moved to America, took the artworks with him, and squirreled them away in his apartment for 50 50 years. I know. 50 years, these works by Chagall and Picasso. amazing. Just tucked in a corner, and he was discovered when he tried to sell one of the paintings, and it all came out again. I guess the point being is that a lot of these works did survive down through history to today. Mm -hmm. And in fact, in Germany at the Neue Gallery, not too many years ago, 2016, I believe it was, they had a show of degenerate art as well. Yes. And many of the works in that show were in the show uh, mm-hmm. that they mounted there. And also at that time in 1938 in London, yes, the British decided to counter in some ways what was going on in Germany. Yep. And they established their own art show in 1938. Yeah, they made a, a kind of a statement by having a show of German art, 300 pieces, mm-hmm. many of them by the same artists that were represented in the Degenerate Art Show mm-hmm. in Munich, as a statement as a statement of support, in a way, for these artists. Now, a lot of the artists stayed in Germany and were forced to stop creating art. Nolde, for example, began to work in pastels, in hiding, in secret, avoiding using oil paints because of the smell because the Gestapo would raid these places. Right. They'd smell the paint, and they'd raid them. Uh-huh. He used pastels, because you couldn't smell that. Right. So a lot of them kept working in secret. Uh, some of them left the country. Max Ernst left for America with the help of Peggy Guggenheim. Mm-hmm. The Guggenheim. The Guggenheim Foundation. Foundation. Right? People got out of the country to Czechoslovakia, America, wherever, as well. Ludwig Kirschner, who was in the show, committed suicide a year later. Mm-hmm. He took his own life. People went into abject poverty. They couldn't do their artwork. They couldn't survive. Mm. So all kinds of repercussions. Um, what a time. Incredible when you think about What was that. going on in those years. Yeah. Not just art, everywhere. Yes. Which actually brings me to a point I wanted to make. Now, this is a bit of an abstract idea. Okay. Bear with me. Yeah, sure. And it's not to do with any particular moment in history. Yeah. It could be this one, could be anyone. The thing that occurred to me the other day was that you can't take a moment in time and call it a moment. Because where is the boundary of that moment? Where does that moment end? Mm. So for this art show, did the art show end when the doors closed to the building at the end of the show in November? Did the art show end when the workers finished cleaning the floor? Did the art show end when the people who were at the show stopped talking about it? Did the art show end when some of the works were destroyed? Well, a lot of the works carried on, didn't they, in time, and they're still here. Where is that moment to be defined and where does it end? And it seems to me it doesn't end. 
Well, it's almost like uh, if you understand harmonics in sound and music, uh-huh. uh, whenever you hear a note, there's yeah. an initial note, but the harmonics go on. Beautiful. I like that analogy. You may stop hearing the actual word or piece of music, yeah. but it's still resonating. It's still fluttering on. That's right. And it resonates through time and space. And mm-hmm. here we are in 2019, and we're talking about an event from 1937 that still has resonance and relevance mm-hmm. to this day and will have as long as art is being created and as long as there are governments being elected. There will be this dialogue between government and culture. It's often a matter of who has the most power to make the final decision. Right. As you've pointed out, there are often a handful of people who are making decisions that affect millions of people. So the real question is the dialogue is between the individual and individual freedom to express themselves right. and the so-called good of the community or the larger group. Yes. And where that balance sits is always a negotiation in a way. Mm-hmm. There's a place where we recognize we're electing a government to make some of these decisions on our behalf. And I get it when it comes to child pornography, snuff films, that sort of thing, excessive mm. violence. I get it that a government should, in a way, step in and say, there's a line here, and it's extreme, and you've just crossed it. Mm-hmm. So I think most people agree with that. Very similar to a jury of your peers. Yeah. Mm. Most people would agree, is the phrase. Right. Most people would agree that mm-hmm. child pornography is wrong, etc. Uh, right and wrong. All about morality and ethics, what's right, what's wrong, and it's about identity. The German people, the National Socialist Party, had a particular identity that they aspired to as a German nation, and that identity had certain components to it. And if you didn't fit that component, you weren't part of that identity, and you needed to be excluded. Right. And that's what this show was about. It was about trying to exclude toxic elements of culture from their idea of who they were as a nation. But it's a powerful lesson and something we should keep in mind when we think about art, when we think about culture. It's also a very good lesson in extremes, what happens when you give someone or group ultimate power. That's right. Where you don't have an opposing party or an opposing group that can say, hey, hold on here for a second. Yeah. Let's re-examine. The problem isn't just power, it's power that's unchecked. Right. That particular methodology that was used with this art show, there was no question. A decision was made, and that's that. There was some discussion behind the scenes, but at a certain point, Hitler basically said, there's no more discussion, and they had to fall into line, and that's what happened. So... We want feedback. We want feedback from you guys. And no matter what it is, we won't consider it degenerate. It's free expression. And uh, send us a note. Send us uh, your thoughts about these things. Yeah, and we won't censor anything you say. Correct. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) Ciao, Harry. Ciao, Peter. The Sill Podcast, Perspectives on Art and Technology, is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at thesillpodcast.com. Alles klar, Herr Kommissar.